Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back, everybody. We are headed into Genesis 12. So, so far, we have really jumped into the big picture, the cosmological view, the creation, the creation of nations, uh, just really how God is going to work with with people and humanity in the big, big, big picture. And while we haven't jumped into every piece, we've jumped in a little bit to Noah and some of those. Uh, now we're going to take the opposite view. We're going to take the what's called the anthropological view or the person view. So we're going to zoom in. And so we're going to jump into the story of Abraham and his family. Now, one thing that I think is great about how the biblical author, authors have done things is that they've done these uh, repetitive stories, these couplets, these stories that go over and over again. And so you're kind of zooming in, zooming out, or you're looking at it from a different angle and learning something else about God. Now, remember the main character in the story of the Bible isn't humanity, it's it's God. And so I think it's going to teach us the most about him and also how he works and wants to work with us. And we're going to see that as we kind of zoom in. So the next half, really Genesis 12 through 50, the end of Genesis, is going to be a story of these families. So a couple of things to remember. Uh, these families aren't perfect. In fact, this is where I really got uh, kind of tripped up as a kid or as I got older and was learning, I was like, man, I always thought these guys were just perfect. And, or, you know, I know no one's perfect, but they just seem so awesome. And then you read about them and you're like, wait a minute, they sound kind of like they're making a lot of mistakes or they're kind of jerks or whatever. And, and, and I think that's the point of the story. And that's where I misunderstood that the story of God working with these people isn't the story of God working with perfect people. It's God working with regular people and yet his tasks are still accomplished. And so we're going to see that with the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, um, we're going to do a little bit on Abraham today, but just so you know, it's really, the story really goes Abraham. Isaac is really a quiet character. We'll come back to him in a second. And then Jacob and Joseph. So it's really Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph. So you you skip kind of this Isaac. And you're like, oh, there's Isaac. He's right in there. And you, that is correct. However, you'll see that Isaac is very quiet. He's almost a shadowy character. He is in relation to other things going around him. Additionally, you'll see Isaac uh, is different from those other characters and that all those other characters are going to have some similar things happen to them. They're going to be called of God. They're going to get the birthright and the Abrahamic covenant. We'll talk about that. But they're also going to travel outside of the land of Canaan, the promised land. So they're going to receive the promised land. They're also going to travel outside of it, and then they're going to come back um, potentially. So you're going to see Abraham lives outside in Ur, and he comes into Canaan. You're going to see uh, Jacob, who was uh, there and then leaves. And, and that's where you get the story of uh, Leah and Rachel. And then he comes back. And then you're also going to see the story of Joseph, where Joseph was taken in Egypt. So they all have this story of leaving the promised land or coming from somewhere else and coming to the promised land. Isaac, however, is kind of attached to the promised land. Isaac is this one who is almost like 
he represents in some ways kind of the promised land. So you're going to see where he is. Uh, again, kind of quiet and other things going around him. Let's take some time though and let's talk about Abraham and covenants. So as we zoom in, we're going to meet our first character and his name is Abram or Abraham. I'm going to use his name as Abraham because it's too hard to time when his name changes. Um, but that is, is definitely going to happen. One of the important things that we do learn is names. I know we've talked about this in the past, but I can't overstress it enough. Characterization in ancient scripture is very different than we do characterization today. We do not do, for example, characterization um, the same way. We have like tons of backstory on a person and where they came from and how they grew up and where their motivations and maybe something that happened to them in the past that makes them the way they are. And, and so you get to really know and, and get attached to characters in some of the best character-driven stories. In ancient scripture, um, we don't get that. It, it's very abbreviated. So you'll notice that characters don't have a lot of backstory. It won't be like, oh, well, he grew up and, and, you know, he loved, you know, whatever. And that's why he, you know, he left scriptures and he read all day or something like that. You just don't, you don't hear those. But there are some clues. Ancient authors use clues like their names. So in this came, uh, this case, Abram um, becomes Abraham. So it's Avram, Avraham. And so the that name exalted father becomes father of a multitude. And so his name becomes changed. Sarai becomes Sarah. You're also going to see a lot of, uh, different clues about people's personality, what other, whether they, what they are, what they represent, what they potentially could be, what their hopes were, their parents' hopes, what their Lord, the Lord's hope was for them. So sometimes names are going to tell us something about the character. It, it might not always be something that's going to happen, but it could certainly be something that we're supposed to catch on to. So if you don't know the name, and you probably wouldn't, right? I mean, these names are like Hebrew and stuff. So if you don't, just Google it. Look up like, hey, what is the, the name, the meaning of the name Sarai? Or what is the naming, meaning of the name Rebecca? And then see if you can't trace back what the Lord's going to say. Um, one of my favorites we'll talk about more is Jacob. His name means heel grabber. Remember, it's the twins. And, and so he is born holding on to Esau's heel. And then it becomes this theme of deception that's going to go all the way through to the end of the Joseph story is this theme of deception and kind of what you get when you're kind of a deceiver and trickster. And so it's not all bad, but it's something funny about his name. Isaac, he laughs. Uh, both Abraham and Sarai laugh when they're told that they're going to have finally have a child. And so they name him, he laughs. I love that about Isaac's name. So Abraham, so his name is Exalted Father. That tells us something about how important um, having a family, how important having um, a, a family and a, a just a bigger group that you're going to work with and a connection and an identity is going to be, especially in this society and, and in our own. And so they're going to name him that. Of course, then we meet him and it should be something like this. Uh, and then there was this guy, Abram. His name is Exalted Father. And he is going to immediately go to the kind of lowest stage. So we've learned this characterization that we look to his name. And then we're going to read out the story, meaning lowest stage, meaning he has nothing. He's going to have no land, no people, no power, no anything. So the Lord is telling us he is going to make Abraham what he is. And when Abraham has faith in him, the Lord is going to make him great. And, and it isn't because of anything necessarily he does on his own. He just has to show some faith. So that's where we find ourselves. 
in chapter 12. So there's a lot on Abraham. You can't overdo it. Let's jump in and find out what else we know. So again, we're zooming in and then names are going to give us some of the backstory. Go ahead and look them up and then we find ourselves. Now in the story, we've learned that God is going to work with humanity to create them on this, this mountain garden, this, um, this hot spot of where earth and heaven meet Eden. And we've been kind of kicked out representative of us, of course. And then we're saying, how do I get back into that presence? And this is how the Lord is going to work with us is this same pattern. So right out of chapter 12, um, we're like, how, how's it going to happen? Well, we should be wondering. And we're going to jump into these stories. Now, again, we're zooming into a family. So the Lord is going to choose a family to redeem. And this family is going to redeem everyone else. So instead of looking at these big picture, we're going to zoom into this anthropological view, this zoomed in person view. Okay, here it goes. Now the Lord said, and said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is a fantastic and amazing story. We're seeing a place where God is again talking to humanity. Some the big word for this is called a theophany, meaning a vision of God. God has these uh, repetitive theophanies where he's coming down and speaking to humanity. And every time he does, it's usually, uh, you'll see it with a covenant, but it's also something salvific, meaning it's going to help save them and us. So you're going to say, ooh, so these, these hotspots, these places where the Lord is going to meet are going to be really important. So we're saying, hey, the Lord is making a choice. And what does he choose? Well, first he says, the Lord says to Abram, we don't know who Abram is, but we're like, okay, some guy. Then he says, go from your country and your kindred and your house to the land I'll show you. So the first thing we learned is they're saying, you're going to leave your country and your people and your father's house. You're leaving everything. You're going to go, you're going to have no people, no country, no power, no anything, no authority. And so the, the authority of your family's name, uh, your kindred, it's all gone. So your family, your place, your authority, it's all gone and go to a place that I will show you. Now, those three are going to be important because those three, three things are going to be elements of the Abrahamic covenant, right? You're going to get a people, you're going to get a place, and you're going to get authority with the priesthood. And he tells them that. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, right? So not only are you just going to be great, you're like, hooray, I'm awesome. It's going to be like, I'm going to be a blessing. And then I love this, that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And, and then it says, and Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Okay. So this is what's interesting. The Lord says, go from your country. And so the next phrase is, and so Abraham went. So normally when you leave, you're like, I packed up my stuff and I got my family together and then we went, but it's, it's underscoring how Abraham is doing exactly what the Lord told him. In Hebrews 11, there's this hall of heroes, this faith, and it says that he uh, followed God because of faith, right, Abraham? And here also we see he is this ultimate, faithful, obedient person. When the Lord tells him to go, it says Abraham went. So it's underscoring that to us. When the Lord tells us to do something, we do it. Now, obviously, he probably had to pack up stuff and tell his family, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that we do what the Lord tells us. I, he says, go, and Abraham went. 
Got it. And then it tells us a little bit more about him. All of a sudden we're like, well, who's this Abram guy? And then he says he was 75 when he departed from Haran and he took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all their possessions that they gathered and the persons whom they'd acquired. So they have uh, servants and things. And, uh, and then they set forth to the land of Canaan. And when they'd come to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem to the Oak of Morah. And so he's describing this story of, I gathered all these people. Now we're going to know these important people, Sarai um, and Lot, his nephew. So they're going to underscore those. So again, here's this hot spot area um, that, that the Lord is going to make contact with humanity. And now he's going to do it through a covenant. Now, what's something interesting is normally think you think, Lord, I know all about covenants. I've been making them my whole life. Um, that when the Lord makes the terms of a covenant, then we can accept them. And right now it doesn't look like there are any terms, um, meaning that Abraham just gets this blessing, but he doesn't have anything on his side. Now, we know from the book of Abraham that it's much more involved. But here, the biblical author wants to underscore a couple of important points um, rather than that really deep view that we get in Abraham. They're both very valid views, but here it's underscoring the idea that of faith, I, I think. I think he's saying, I am going to make this happen. It's nothing that Abraham did. It's that the Lord is going to choose someone. And then how does Abraham show his, his obedience? It's just faith. He just does it. He just goes. And he take, packs up his family and pull off he goes. All right. Awesome. So you can keep reading um, there and kind of uh, jump in, but I'm going to jump over to chapter 15 really quickly. So in chapter 15, we're going to see a few more of the conditions of the covenant. So here's where the covenant kind of zooms in a little bit. So there's going to be some story. Please read that. Every single verse, every single chapter of this story is super important. Uh, so I want you to read those. However, I want to zoom in a little bit on 15 to find out more about this covenant since that's what we're talking about in chapter 12. Okay, so flip over to chapter 15 in Genesis. I am reading a slightly different version, the New Revised Standard. So if you are doing the King James, it's just, it's very similar. But I think we're going to find a couple of really important things. Now, now we're zooming in a little bit on Abram, Abraham, and we're going to find out the more about this covenant, this promise that God is setting the terms to. And he starts out and he's going to tell us a little bit more about what's required of us, but also what the blessings that he's going to receive. And so here they are, and they're going to come in really fast. So here they go. Pay attention. It's going to come in fast. Chapter 15 says, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, a vision. Okay, so we know that this is something special, a vision, these words, and says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So right out of the bat, I think it jumps out that once again in these heavenly visitations, that these theophanies that we see so often, that there's something shocking, overwhelming, the, the spirit, the power is big, and so it says, Do not be afraid. We're going to see that also later, even with Mary. And some of the others, when they have a vision of an angel or the Lord, that's like, do not be afraid, right? So that jumps out. I am your shield. That the, the Lord is there before him is going to protect him. And then Abraham says, then they have this discussion in verse two. But Abraham says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So uh, he has kind of a chief of staff, a steward, a chief servant, and his name is Eleazar. 
And so uh, God is my helper, I think is what that name means. And he's from Damascus, which is in Syria. So it's like, hey, this guy is is my servant. Um, I, I guess he's going to be my my um, heir because I still don't have a child. And and so he's like, is that how it's supposed to go? And uh, and he continues and he says, you have given me no. Uh, it, uh, then there's this and Abram said, you have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. Now, what's interesting, you'll find with these conversations, you don't get a lot of back and forth conversations in scripture. So pay attention to them. And one of the things is that when they when they put in these lines and he said and he said, you can read in that there's a pause. Right. Otherwise, it would just keep going. So read the story carefully and notice that there's a pause. Is it supposed to be Eleazar? Long pause. Abraham clarifies and says, well, was it just Abraham saying so? But remember, we're listening to the story. We're imagining he's like, I am trying to understand. I've been waiting for years uh, for this promise and, and I'm still waiting. So let me clarify, uh, just like we do. We sometimes question, we doubt, we, but we're okay to ask. So he asks again, I says, you have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be the heir. Pause. But the word of the Lord came to him and here's his answer. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. So the Lord is telling him, no, he's answered the question. I realize that you're old and you still don't have a child of your own, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be your own child, your own um, uh, uh, birth, birth given son. And he goes, no one but your very own issue, your very own child shall be your heir. Then I love this part in verse five. The Lord takes him outside. It says he brought him outside and said, the Lord's going to see how it builds. Uh, Abraham asks the question. Then Abraham gets a little deeper. Is it supposed to be so-and-so? Because you haven't blessed me. And the Lord's going to say, answer in exactly the same pattern. He's going to say, no, it's you. And then he's going to go in a little bit more detail. He takes him outside, outside the tent that they're in. And he looks up at the night sky and he says, can you see all the stars? And it goes like this. Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. And then another pause. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And then this great underscore line, Abraham and says in verse six, and he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. So this back and forth, this understanding, the Lord blesses Abraham with more understanding and more promise and Abraham has such great faith. That's what's required of us. As the Lord gives us promises, sometimes we might say, I don't understand how that's supposed to happen. And the Lord has plans for us that are beyond anything we can imagine. And he's willing to show those plans to us. And he's also willing to, to just give us more light knowledge. And yet here's what's required. We must have faith. All right. That's the beginning of Abraham. What a great story. Now, keep reading. There's going to be this sign and token of the covenant. It's kind of strange. They're going to do this sacrifice, and that's where you're going to read on, and then we'll pick up in Abraham next time. All right, everybody, keep on reading.